This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Legend of the Bones. Following in the footsteps of giants, Legend of the Bones is a chimera. A mix of old school tabletop RPG and dark fantasy storytelling. As its name might suggest, in Legend of the Bones, the dice rule. There'll be no rerolls, no fudging the dice, no metacurrency. The roll of the bones will determine the character's destiny, and no one will be spared their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone. Last time on Legend of the Bones. Having been befriended by a wolf pack, the party followed the animals up a nearby hill to a tor, where they discovered the entrance to an underground cave, in which a wolf cub was trapped. Kier descended into the cave to investigate, and found evidence of it having been used as a burial site. In a flashback, we learnt that in Godsport, our rogue had embarked on an intimate affair with Lena's sister, Lilia, though whether or not he is aware of this familial connection is uncertain. Having recovered the cub, Kier secured the animal to be lifted out by Beric, upon which it was reunited with its mother. The wolf pack departed, but not before a moment of connection passed between the she-wolf and Lena. Back in the cave, Kier proceeded into a second chamber, where he found an ancient sarcophagus, from which he recovered some trinkets and a good deal of silver coins. At that moment, he spotted something moving, and discovered a man hiding in the shadows. After a brief confrontation, the man surrendered, and allowed himself to be escorted from the cave. Though who he is, and how he came to be in the cave, remains to be seen. Chapter 16, Part 1, Day 20, Evening, Party Status, Beric, 17 out of 17 hit points, Lena, 7 out of 10 hit points, Kia, 7 out of 7 hit points, Valen, 7 out of 7 hit points. Spells available, Valen has memorised Push and Shield. The small campfire crackled and spat as the companions huddled around the flames. They did so as much for comfort as for warmth, for it was impossible not to be affected by the exposed bleakness of the moor. It had been twilight by the time they had returned to the wagon, and so Kier had turned it around, and they had travelled back the half a mile to the copse, which gave the opportunity for firewood, as well as offering some shelter from the wind. Their prisoner from Four Rivers, Clem, had not escaped during the companion's absence, and now he sat by the fire, his hands and feet having been rebound. He said nothing, brooding at his situation, and occasionally giving Beric, whom he feared, hateful looks, though he accepted the food and water that was offered. The man from the cave, on the other hand, sat unrestrained. He had introduced himself as Bennett, the quartermaster from Four Rivers, and explained that in the chaos of the brigand attack, he had fled, but in doing so, had become disorientated and lost upon the moor. 
I'm no outdoorsman. He explained a little apologetically. But as night fell, I knew I must seek shelter. I saw the rocks upon the hill and made for them, hoping they may offer some protection. That's when the wolf pack must have caught my scent. I could hear them howling in the distance. Bennett put his palms out towards the flames, and then rubbed his hands before continuing. I was terrified. I don't mind admitting it. I climbed up on the tour, hoping they would not be able to reach me, and I saw the cave entrance. By this time, I could hear the wolves getting close as I climbed down. It's a miracle I didn't fall and break my neck. You were lucky, Beric said. But if you're no outdoorsman, then how did you get a fire going? The big man asked. Bennett hesitated, as if not expecting this question. I... I had been lighting my fire when the brigands attacked, so I had my tinderbox with me when I fled. Unfortunately, there were some pieces of wood scattered around the cave, enough for a small fire at any rate. Convenient, Keir muttered under his breath, but if Bennett heard, he did not react. The rogue had an ill feeling about the fellow. There was something odd about him that Keir did not trust. If Beric or the others felt the same, it did not show. Well, on the morrow we can point you in the right direction of four rivers. But if you'd rather not travel the road alone, you're welcome to come with us to Halstone. The big man offered. Thank you. I think I should sleep a bit and decide in the morning. As you wish. Here is right not to trust Bennett, for he has been involved in the sabotage of Four Rivers. As the quartermaster, he was enabling Greenwood to be slipped into the supplies, which in turn led to a number of tunnel collapses. Off mic, I made a wisdom check for Keir to see whether he saw through Bennett, which he did, and I'm going to do the same now for the rest of the party. Beric's wisdom is 9, so he will need to roll less than that to come to the same conclusion as Keir. Here is the roll. A 1. It would seem that Beric is just playing his cards close to his chest. Now for Lena. She needs to roll a 17 or less. A 9. Again, she's not bought Bennett's story. And finally Vaynel, who will need to roll an 8 or less. A 16. Perhaps Vaynel has been too busy studying to give Bennett's account much thought. So why is this important? Well, I'm going to use the simple GM Oracle to see what Bennett will do next, and the level of suspicion that the characters have is likely to have a bearing on events. Firstly, I want to know whether Bennett suspects the party are onto him. A 5. That is a straight yes. Next, I want to know whether Bennett knows Clem. A 6. That is a yes and. Okay, so that makes me think that members of the Brigand Gang have been secretly infiltrating Four Rivers for some time, and have been working with Bennett to supply the Greenwood. Let's find out Bennett's motivation. On a 1-2, to two, he is a faithful agent of Lord Polmere, or someone in Lord Polmere's employ. On a 3-4, to four, he was bribed, but has no allegiance. And on a 5-6, or six, he has been blackmailed. A 4, so he was bribed. So based on that, I want to know if Bennett will attempt to free Clem during the night. A 1. That is a no and. Okay, so will he attempt to flee? A 4. 
That is a yes but. Right, so let's find out during whose watch this might happen. I will roll a d4. On a 1, Lena, a 2, Beric, a 3, Kier, and a 4, Valen. A 1. That'll be Lena. Okay, let's see what all that means. Chapter 16 Part 2 Day 20 Night Party status The party status is unchanged. To her surprise, Lena had come to enjoy taking watch. It wasn't that she did not long for sleep, nor that she was immune to the fear that came with being up alone in the dark, but rather that she valued the time to reflect in quiet contemplation. The night was the domain of Naya, the goddess of dreams, birth and death. Her realms were found in the cycles and transitions of the world, which included the star-filled heavens which slowly moved overhead. The rain clouds of the day had moved on, and as she sat on the trunk of a fallen tree, Lena found herself searching for familiar constellations in the clear night sky. She identified Amida, the maiden, and then she smiled as she saw Lupus Major, the Great Wolf. Finally, her eyes came to rest on Varric, the Warlock, and her mind wandered as Naya sent her a waking dream. Somewhere from the nearby copse, a tawny owl hooted, and Lena was brought out of her reverie. She touched her holy symbol at the omen, for owls were said to be the messengers of Naya. On the other side of the fire, Someone was moving. It was Bennard. The man got up and came to squat by the fire. He prodded the embers with a stick before tossing on another log. Sparks flew upwards and quickly the log caught the flames. Can't sleep, Lena asked, sitting up. Bennard picked up another log from the pile, stood and moved around to be closer to the cleric. Lena stiffened and she moved her hand inconspicuously to the handle of her warhammer. She did not trust Bennett. His story just didn't ring true. And she was glad that Kier had refused to return the man's dagger. No. Bennett answered in a low voice. I've never been at home in the world. Give me a warm bed and roof and I'll sleep as soundly as a babe. I used to feel the same, but I've become used to it. I would even say that I've come to like it. Lena said hoping the conversation would make her appear less tense. Her heart began thumping in her chest. She did not like him standing so close. How so? To be close to nature is to be closer to the gods. The owl hooted again. Ah, I see. Bennett stretched and gazed up at the stars. Well then, good night. Suddenly, he swung down with the log, straight at Lena's head. Editing Combat This is not going to be a typical combat, rather a single round, and I'm going to make some rulings to reflect the nature of this exchange. Firstly, I'm going to automatically award Bennett the initiative. Secondly, Bennett is attempting to strike Lena on the head. I would normally apply a minus one penalty to hit a specific part of the body, but given that he is standing over her, I'm not going to apply it. 
Thirdly, whilst Lena is wearing her male shirt, this does not protect her head and she does not have a dexterity bonus. In addition, she is not holding her shield, so I am going to rule that her base armour class of 10 will apply. Having said that, I am going to award her a plus one to her armour class to account for the fact that she was alert to a possible attack. Finally, if the blow connects, Lena will take 1d4 points of damage, and if maximum damage is dealt, then she will be knocked unconscious for one turn. Okay, so here we go. Bennett will need to roll an 11 or more. A 17! The speed of the attack means that Lena is unable to defend herself. The log smashes into her head for... 4 points of damage. Saving pain flashes through the cleric's head as she falls unconscious to the ground. Well, despite those rulings, I was really not expecting Bennett to pull that off. But as a referee, I love it when the dice hand you such a great twist in the emerging narrative. So what now? Thinking back to the results of the GM Oracle, I think Bennett is desperate. He knows that evidence of the sabotage will eventually end up at his door. That's why he fled Four Rivers. He's also quite certain that Clem is likely to spill his guts to the authorities to save his own skin. And if that happens, then Bennett is sure to face the gallows. Now, whilst Bennett isn't a murderer, Clem is an outlaw, so killing him would be fair game, and not constitute a crime. So I'm going to rule that Bennett does several things. Firstly, he takes one of Keir's short swords and kills Clem whilst he sleeps. But first, I'm going to see if any of the companions wake up as a result. I'm going to say there is a 1 in 6 chance of that happening. A 3. Whilst Beric, Keir and Valen are using their backpacks as pillows, Lena's is accessible. So I'm going to rule that Bennett takes it, meaning the party will lose the following. 7 iron rations, a lantern, 2 flasks of oil, a water skin, and I'll also say that he takes Lena's coin purse, which contains 2 gold and 62 silver. Finally, I think Bennett would try to take one of the horses. They are currently tied to a tree, they have no saddle, and as draft horses they are not used to being ridden. So I am going to make a reaction roll. Bennett's charisma is just 8, so he gets a minus 1 to the roll. If the result is hostile, then the horse will make sufficient noise that might wake the party. Okay, here is the roll on 2d6. A 9, minus 1. The horse is uncertain, so I will need to roll again. A 6, minus 1. That indicates an attack. It looks like Benner's luck has run out. First of all, I'm going to resolve the horse's attack. On a roll of 1 to 3, the horse will bite. On a 4 to 6, it will kick. A 5. The horse gets a plus 2 to its attack roll, and its kick deals 1d6 points of damage. Benner's armour class is 11, meaning the horse will need to roll a 9 or more to hit. Here is the roll. An 8. The horse neighs loudly and lashes out with its hind legs, narrowly missing Bennett's head. Okay, so I am going to rule that the companions will wake up on a d6 roll of 1 to 4. A 1. Now I am going to see if the party are surprised. A roll of 1 or 2 on a d6 mean they are, and if that happens, Bennett will slip away into the night before the companions can rouse themselves. Here is the roll. A 1. Well. It would seem that Benner's luck held after all.
Chapter 16 Part 3 Day 20 Night Party Status Beric, 17 out of 17 hit points Lena, 3 out of 10 hit points Kia, 7 out of 7 hit points Valen, 7 out of 7 hit points Spells available There are no spells available Darkness closed in around Beric. He was alone, in a seemingly endless black void. The light from his torch was unnaturally muted, and fell upon no object or surface, save the grey-blue flagstones of the floor. He walked forward, in a vast emptiness, for what seemed like hours, though in truth he had no sense of the passing of time. Suddenly, a wall appeared before him, and set in it was a stone portal. The surrounding stonework was intricately carved, and Beric recognised it from the crypt in the Four Rivers Mine. He reached out with his hand and touched the granite. It was cold, and the surface rough against his fingers. Without warning, there was a sound of stone rubbing against stone. Beric stepped back in startlement, drawing his sword as the stone slab fell backwards. A low moan emanated from the space beyond. Beric adjusted his grip on his sword, and took up a defensive stance. In the pitch darkness, two bluish lights flickered into life. They came towards him, until that which they belonged came into view. Brown, shriveled skin stretched over the withered body of the Draugr. It wore a shirt of mail, and in its raised hand it held a sword. Beric looked upon the creature's face. He saw the remnants of its short beard was patchy and a long scar running from its brow down its cheek, and he realised that the face he looked upon was his own. He stepped back, repulsed by the image of himself in undeath, as the creature opened its mouth and screamed. Beric woke with a start and instinctively fumbled for his sword. He looked around. Kier and Phelan were also rousing themselves. Something was not right. Where was Bennett? Or where was Lena for that matter? He heard Phelan gasp. No! The mage scrambled out of his bedroll. Beric and Kier followed suit as Phelan rushed over to the prone figure of Lena. The mage gathered up the cleric's limp body and cradled her in his arms. She bore an evil wound to the head and her auburn hair was matted with blood. She was pale though he could feel a shallow rise and fall in her breast. She lives, Valen said. There was relief in his voice. I need bandages and water, the mage commanded, and Beric moved quickly to find both. Finding some cloth in the wagon, Beric tore it into strips, which he brought along with a water skin to Valen, who proceeded to clean Lena's wound. Leaving the mage to his ministrations, the big man joined Kier, who was standing over the body of Clem. The young brigand had been stabbed to the neck, and a large pool of blood now soaked the ground around him. Kier cursed. I knew we couldn't trust him, he said. It's my fault, Beric replied. I didn't trust him either, but I didn't think he was a threat. Kier looked at the big man. It ain't your fault. What were we supposed to do? Bind his limbs because we had a feeling? I suppose you're right, but he could have killed Lena. 
Beric said, his shoulders low. I know, but if I ever catch the bastard, I'll cut him from gizzard to gut. Beric straightened. He smiled grimly, putting his hand on the rogue's shoulder. As would I. Having tended her wound, Valen continued to cradle Lena, whispering strange words in his native tongue. He held her not because it was necessary, but because it gave him comfort to do so. Eventually, Lena's eyes opened. She blinked, and her gaze met his. You're here, she whispered hoarsely. Yes. Lena smiled weakly. It is my turn to watch over you, the mage said gently. Lena closed her eyes again and drifted into sleep. Valen held her for a long time. He was drawn to this woman. He knew not why. Perhaps it was because she was all the things he was not. Kind, forgiving, good. He wanted to be those things, but he felt the darkness in his heart. Anger at those who had persecuted him. Hatred for their cruelty. Bitterness at their judgment. Other than Amos, he had known no other friends. But these three, they had accepted him for who he was, without judgment and without reproach. And the thought of that made the darkness feel a little less black. He sighed, then lifting her up, he carried her over to her bedroll. He laid her down and pulled the blanket up to her neck. He looked at her for a moment longer before putting his hand on her forehead. And as he did so, unfamiliar words formed briefly in his mind and just as quickly, they were gone. Rest now. Rest in the arms of the dragon. Well, a lot has happened over a seemingly tame wandering encounter with some wolves, and our party have not fared particularly well. But let us now try to get them back on track and make some rolls for the rest of their journey back to Halstone. I have to admit, I'm hoping it might be a little less eventful. Day 21. The party decides to take Clem's body back to Halstone, and this is loaded into the wagon. Next, Lena will pray to be healed. She needs to roll equal or less than her wisdom score of 15 for her prayer to be answered. A 10. Lena is healed for four hit points. Weather. A four. Cold but dry. Whilst the party have sufficient provisions for the journey, I am going to make an opportunistic foraging roll. As they will spend a minimal amount of time looking for food, I am going to say that only a roll of one indicates they find something. A five. Stumble upon. A ten. Nothing. Wandering encounters. A one. Oh well. So much for being less eventful. Let's see if the encounter happens during the day or the night. A 10. That's on the cusp, so I'm going to say the encounter happens during twilight. Now to roll on the moorland encounter table. An 18. Okay, that indicates an ancient barrow. Well, I have said before that the tame moor is littered with these burial sites. Okay, I'm going to say that on a roll of 1 to 3 on a d6, the barrow is imbued with magic, which will cause the dead to rise. A six. So no. Hmm. Right. I think I'll make another encounter check to see if there's anything else in the barrow. 
A roll of one to two means there will be. A three. Okay, so this is turning out to be uneventful after all. What about treasure? Well, I'll say that there is a 20% chance of something. 29. Okay, so given those rolls, I don't think I'm going to describe this in the narrative, and instead just say that the party uses the barrow for shelter during the night. Let's see what the rest of the journey holds. Day 22. Lena will once again pray to be healed. Here is a wisdom check. A 16. Lena is healed for... 6 points. That takes her back to full health. Weather? A 4. The cold but dry weather continues. Foraging? A 5. Stumble upon? A 12. Nothing. Wandering encounters? A 2. An encounter is indicated. Now to see when the encounter happens. An 18. The encounter happens at night. The party have left the open moor and are travelling back through the heartwood. So here is a roll on the forest encounter table. A 10. Okay, so there'll be 1d6 of these creatures. I think I'll check for surprise now, as this may well affect the outcome of this encounter. I am going to rule that the creatures encountered are not surprised, but let's see if the party are. A 1 or 2 on a d6 mean they are. The roll. A 4. Okay, let's see what happens. Chapter 16 Part 4 Day 22 Early Evening Party Status Beric 17 out of 17 hit points Lena 10 out of 10 hit points Kia 7 out of 7 hit points Valen 7 out of 7 hit points Spells available Valen has memorized Push and Shield for two days, a northerly wind had brought cold air, though thankfully the skies remained clear and with no threat of rain. The companions had seen no other soul in that time, yet in truth, given recent events, they were eager for this to remain the case. They had reached the crossroads at the edge of the moor at nightfall the previous day, and in the morning took the road northwest through the heartwood. Lena was now fully recovered, her prayers for restoration having been answered by the nine and as the wagon trundled along, she reflected on everything that had passed. A few weeks ago, she had been a naive young woman, living a safe and privileged life in Godsport. She had been so foolish to think that she could have had any future with Merrin, or indeed that he loved her. He had abused his position and her innocence to seduce her, and when it suited him, he had discarded her to save his own skin. The shipwreck, she had thought, was a sign that she had been abandoned by the Nine, a punishment for her sins. Now she realised it had been quite the opposite. The Nine had set her free. They had torn off the shackles of orthodoxy and showed her that faith and devotion were not bound by rules, convention and ceremony, but by simply choosing to believe every day. And these three men, people she would have looked down upon in her former life, had proven themselves to be loyal and steadfast friends. Her eyes had been opened, as had her heart. She looked at Phelan. The mage, as usual, was nose-deep in his spellbook, 
which she was scratching at with a quill. Lena remembered their first meeting, how she had recoiled at learning of what he was. How things have changed, she mused. The light was beginning to fade now, and shortly Keir brought the wagon to a halt by a small clearing. Barrett went in search of food, whilst the others set up camp, and when the warrior returned empty-handed, the companions resorted to eating stale bread and hard cheese. And whilst they had enough of such fare to last the journey, they all longed for something more substantial. Venison, Keir said, breaking the silence, as the companions sat around the campfire. I'd kill for some venison. I'm sure we all would, Berg agreed. But talk of it won't make this, he held up a hunk of bread, taste any better. Fair enough, the rogue conceded. But speaking of meat, we'll need to be vigilant tonight. Clem has been dead for two days, and the smell may well attract. The sound of a stick snapping caused Beric to cut himself short. For a moment, the companions looked at each other. But when a second twig snapped, they scrambled for their weapons. They moved quickly, rushing to stand with the wagon behind them, protecting their backs. Beric and Lena stood in front, their round shields overlapping, whilst Keir had an arrow knocked and ready. What seemed like a long time passed with no further sound. In the moonlit sky above the clearing, several bats could be seen darting about in pursuit of their moth prey. Then, on the other side of the clearing, there was a rustling, followed suddenly by the unmistakable hiss and whistle of an arrow flying. A second later, the missile hit the wagon to the left of Valen, its white fletchings vibrating with the impact. The companions tensed, expecting more arrows from their unseen enemy. None came, but then a voice called out in the dark. That was a warning. Next time we won't miss. Thank you for listening to Legend of the Bones. If you like what you've heard, then please consider giving it a five-star review in your podcatcher of choice. Positive reviews really do help the show reach new listeners. I would like to take a moment to thank this episode's voice talent. Returning in the role of Bennett is Ben Hodges. And returning to the show but in a new role of The Unseen Enemy is Jim Hurst. Thank you both for your contributions. I greatly appreciate it. I would also like to give a special mention to Jim, who is a composer and musician. And he kindly agreed to create a piece of custom music for the show, which appeared in this episode. Jim, thank you so much. Jim has a library of music on SoundCloud. You should really check out his work. I'll drop a link in the show notes. You could also help by liking or retweeting new episode announcements, or by recommending the show online or to a friend. I'd also love to know what you think of the show, and I do respond to every message I receive. So with that in mind, you can contact me on Twitter at LegendBones, Instagram at LegendOfTheBones, Mastodon at LegendBones, email at LegendOfTheBones at gmail.com, Go to legendofthebones.blogspot.com for show notes, character profiles, maps, and more. Join me next time to find out what awaits our adventurers as the bones decide their fate. None shall escape the destiny of bone.